You're listening to a Flawless Noises Media Network production. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Not So Newlywed Podcast. I am one half of your co-host, Candice, and we are joined by my... I'm not going to say that. You're not going to say it? I thought you no, was... No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going oh, to be okay. sweet today. You're not, you're not going just... to be... Oh, you're going to be sweet today is what you're going to do. Yeah. It's a new day. Wow. Yeah. It's a new day. Uh, <laughs> what's up, y'all? I am Michael. Um, as always, I'm here uh, with my wife, Candice, and we have a uh, a really good show today um, with a very special guest. Um, I will allow him to introduce himself. Hello, I am Byron Taylor. I am a uh, master's level psychologist working with uh, children and their families here in Mississippi. Um, I proud graduate of the University of Southern Mississippi, um, and William Carey, who I don't care about quite as much, but I did get my master's there. <laughs> uh, I had to refrain myself from uh, dropping that uh, it's a new day. Yes, it is when you said it as a humongous uh, new day mark, but uh, yeah. so I had to refrain myself from that. But, uh, thank y'all for having me. Oh, yeah. no, no problem. It's uh, wonderful. I'm glad that you could actually be on the show with us. This is uh, one of the topics that we really wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, so it, Byron follows the page, and to to all our listeners, because we're a new podcast, and I know new podcasts could be hit or miss, but uh, Byron chimed in when I was like, do I have anybody who is a mental health professional that is willing to come on the show and discuss mental health and relationships? And he was like, absolutely, I will. And so we just want to thank you for doing that for us because you cannot half step when you discuss mental illness and you really want to have a professional, a part of the conversation. And so we are glad to have you here. Um, Yeah. Shout out to the homie Jeremy for uh, the one that sent a word out was like, Hey, uh, Hey cap, why don't you get on this? I'm like, "Uh, okay. Uh, Sure, bro. I got you. Yes. (laughs) Shout out out to Jeremy for that. Cause uh, uh, I know, my Twitter habits have kind of dwindled down in the past couple of years. So, but a shout out to him for sending the word out. But happy to be be uh, on and with you guys. Thank you, boss man. Thanks, Jeremy. You're always <laughs> looking out for us. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna jump right in. And one of the the first topics is just that uh, mental mental illness when in within a partner, even both partners in a relationship. That conversation uh, gets overlooked a lot of times. And I was reading, I was searching for studies and even, you know, certified psychologists and such. They said that it's a topic that is there's they don't do a lot of studies on. And they often focus on how a parent having a mental illness can affect children and vice versa. Um, But I think it matters to talk about it in relationships because mental illness gets swept under the rug in general. So I imagine it's far worse in relationships. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I think we tend to look at more so the type of behaviors that the person does in the relationship as opposed to, okay, what could actually be the cause of some of these things that may be contributed to them? Could it be you know, uh, mental health, uh, mood disorder or cognitive disorder, like schizophrenia or something like that. Or could it be a lifelong history of trauma that is now rearing itself as an adult? But uh, yeah, we definitely do focus more on the effects that mental health have on adults when it comes towards their children more so than it does in, in relationships. And, and I think, one of the things is, and it's sad to say, but so many of us, especially in the black community, because I mean no harm to my non-black listeners, but we speak from a place of what what we deal with as a black couple, as a as black mom, dad, 
friends or whatever. But we, a lot of us have carried a lot of trauma from our childhood uh, into our adult romantic relationships. And we don't recognize if we might've had PTSD or clinical depression or Mm -hmm. bipolar disorder, because we just spent so much of our time coping and mm-hmm. we don't know a lot of the signs to look for. That's what I was exactly going to say. Like, we don't know. Like, we've heard, and, and a lot of these, um, you know, mental illnesses, you know, they're names that we've all heard before. But we don't really know a lot about them. Yeah. In a sense, like, what really causes it or what really, um, what? like, how it affects people, things of that nature. We're not knowing what signs to look for in ourselves right. in yeah. general just because we don't really talk about this topic a lot. Um, so I think that's that's what it stems from, too. And then a lot of people don't want to have that stigma of a men- mental illness on them just because of how it's looked at. Yeah, um, just how you're labeled. In I, like, I think, I think and before I let Byron go, I think we yeah, get to the point where we only talk about mental illness when it gets really extreme. Yes. You know, when somebody so when we talk about suicide or, someone, or yeah, we like talk about person. somebody harming other people, um, we don't really talk about the signs that you see that might not be that extreme, that mm-hmm. might not be the last ditch effort in somebody needing help. Because, like I said, a lot of times after somebody commits suicide, the first thing people say is, damn, we didn't know they were going through all of that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. definitely, and definitely the signs are there, like for some people who are dealing with depression some people absolutely cope more cope uh much more effectively with their depression than other people but there are subtle signs there like you know social withdrawal you know lack of interest in things that they typically do you know whether if say like if you're like a very neat and tidy you know spouse or you know or house mom or something like that and you know the house kind of slowly but surely kind of falls in a disarray that may be something mm-hmm. that we can look at and say okay is there something going on there you know uh changes in sleep patterns appetite uh all those things yeah we do for a lot of times that is true we definitely don't know what to look for um because we're just waiting for and a lot for a lot of people they have a very limited knowledge of what these diagnoses are like i was gonna say uh I didn't know that schizophrenia was not multiple personality disorder until I started getting my degree. I had no idea. You know, yeah. the statement. Yeah, a lot of it, get, yeah. it gets clumped together, like even bipolar disorder and like all that stuff. People just clump it into one thing. And it's this one word that I truly hate crazy. Yes. If you have any of this, you crazy. You're not. And so people tend to hold that close because they don't. You don't want to be labeled as crazy. You don't want people to be fearful of you. And this includes your partner. You don't want to mess up what you think is a a great thing by coming to your partner and saying, you know what? I'm not feeling that great mentally. Mm. Right. And I need some help figuring this out. That is a hard statement to make. Yeah. It was hard for me to make when I was dealing with postpartum, but I was like, I can't go on like this. I can't wake up crying, going to sleep crying, uh, lashing out. I was hypersensitive. Everything felt like a jab at me as a new mom. Like, mm-hmm. um, I didn't like that feeling. And I know that Mike didn't like that feeling, not necessarily. He he was hurting, but more or less, I don't think he liked seeing me in that headspace. Right. Yeah, that's that's very understandable. Like, um, I, I don't want to offer too much disclosure, but um, I was married. Um, my uh, my ex wife did have um, some mental health uh, difficulties throughout the course of our uh, marriage, but uh, it was a constant learning process. Like, it was initially just you know having little conversations about things that happened to her in the past and then it turned into actually seeing it in work and as I was going through school learning more and more about the field it made it at least made it a little bit easier for me to recognize those signs and symptoms 
Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually it was more me coming to her saying that, okay, I think this is going on and we may need to get it addressed. Um, as opposed to like Candace said, uh, her having that realization that this stuff was going on and then coming to you, Mike, and having a conversation. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was interesting to kind of talk to her about it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how well received it was initially, but yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was something that I felt like for my own sake that we needed to start working on. Yeah. Which which basically is a great segue into the second the next part of this conversation. How how do you go, you know, both I'm asking you from both the professional and a personal stance, mm-hmm. how can how can couples go about having the conversation about needing a professional to intervene and help with things? Because we had this slight brief conversation before we started recording, but you can't self-diagnose mental illness. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you, it just, you don't have the education for it. You don't have the knowledge. Like, and you, as you said, you didn't know until you even started pursuing your education that multiple, di- multiple personality disorders, schizophrenia, bipolar, those are all completely different uh, mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. So there's no way you can self-diagnose or have your partner diagnose you in your relationship, try to self-heal or depend on your partner to help you heal or get past this trauma. So what's a good way to go about having that conversation and then finding the help? Oh, man. Okay. That's a loaded um, question. Yeah. It is, a, it is such a loaded question. It is such a loaded question. Um, person, okay. From the personal experience. Okay. Um, I essentially made her go seek help. Mm -hmm. Um, It had gotten to a point where it was becoming a bit damaging to everybody in the house. Uh, So I initially sent her to see a therapist at school. Um, Southern Miss is one of the best uh, as one of the like probably top 25 top 30 um schools of psychology in the country so we had a uh, mental health clinic at school so initially she started going there and that did help some but eventually it required more care over time so that was kind of where we started at was uh the mental health clinic at school and it was a very difficult conversation to have because I mean, I think even at that point, we neither one of us, I think, knew how serious things were with mm-hmm. with her mental health. And she was also coming off the heels of being diagnosed with lupus as well. So there was so much going on at the time. Um, so it was, I think I just kind of broke down and just like out of just utter concern and just like kind of like fear, just like, hey, you got to get we got to talk to somebody like I can't do it, you know? And so stick, we'll, we'll talk about the stigma of surrounding mental health illness. So I'm, you know, Mississippi raised, Texas born. Oh, we, Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> Say yeah. no more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout, out, shout out to my family in Houston, uh, born, uh, born in Houston and raised uh, on the Mississippi Gulf coast. Um, my family is very, 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 religious very religious and my ex-wife's family is as well so there is the stigma that you know you you take everything to god in prayer and you know he's gonna take care of that stuff so you know right for a while there it was you know we're gonna go to church we're gonna pray on it you know ask god to help but as not a lot of change was made i'm like okay we might need some other help um that's one of the big stigmas that we have to get over Treat your mental health like your physical health. Now, this is from the professional step, uh, perspective. Treat your mental health like your physical health. If you get a cold, you get the flu, you get sick or whatever, we don't just pray it away. We go to the doctor and we go get treated. We have to start having conversations within the community of treating mental health 
as important and as in need of delicate care as our physical health. You know, yes. There, there's like we have to get rid of the stigma of okay, well, I have depressed, I have depression, so I'm just sad and all this stuff, blah 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 blah. No, we got to start having conversations that make it to where we have the resources that are out there available for us. We yes. have to start actually using them. So, and I think we have to start. You made a good point that I hadn't really considered. We have to start holding the church accountable. Uh, the, the, the church wants to be this one-stop shop for everything related to our lives. But the fact of the matter is your pastor is not educated in mental illness. So he cannot pray your mental illness way. He cannot pray. It's like saying like, you can pray for somebody to get the care that they need, but Mm -hmm. to be telling, to be actively telling people that you lead that it'll just go away with prayer, I think it's irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, if that's the way they're preaching it, then yeah, that's definitely irresponsible. That's the way a lot of churches handle mental illness. Yeah. You don't yeah. need no pills. You don't need no doctor. You need Jesus. And it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. hey, I do need Jesus, but I also need to go see a psychologist right. or right. a psychiatrist. Yeah. I but need I, that. I, but I, I think what a lot of people... And just in church or in general, kind of fail to realize is that, yes, yes, God can help with a lot of things. But a lot of times he there are people that he will place in your life if you look for those resources to help you with with, with those situations. Byron made a good point. We go to the doctor for physical things. You got the flu. You go to the doctor. You pregnant. You see a doctor for nine months till you had a baby. The church is not saying, hey. Just we just gonna pray for you to have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy delivery. No, you you actively go to the doctor throughout your whole pregnancy, right up to when you deliver, and even after you have a baby, mm-hmm. you still go to the doctor. So mm-hmm. I, we do need to give mental illness and mental health the same priority that we give physical health. Yeah. I, I feel like that's uh, an amazing point you made. If we put that same vigor into being mentally healthy as we do physically healthy, because a lot of times they go hand in hand. Absolutely. absolutely. Mental illness affects your physical. You yeah. don't want to get out absolutely. of bed. You don't want to eat how you're supposed to eat. You don't want to exercise. You don't want to, you want to, you, you may turn to self-harming, you may turn to drinking drugs, whatever you yeah, physical fails when your mental health is not where it needs to be. So, right. and, and it has the inverse effect as well. When your physical affects your mental as well. When you, yeah, you, you you know you're dealing with work stress. Uh, you're not properly taking care of your body. You're not sleeping well. You're not eating well. Those things can affect your mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, like uh, like I said before the show. Uh, so both of my parents are ordained ministers. Oh uh, yeah, uh my mom comes from a very religious family. Uh my my great grandfather was an ordained minister. He had his own church in Houston. Um a couple of my great one of my great aunts who took over the church after my great grandfather died, and I think one of my great uncles is also an ordained minister, and both of my parents are. Um when I was going through my divorce uh last year. I wanted to see a therapist um, to kind of get a gauge of where I was as far as my healing process from the marriage and everything. Cause I wanted to be in a good mindset knowing that despite the marriage being over, we're still going to have to co-parent and I'm, you know, eventually going to want to start dating again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wanted to at least get a checkup of where I was, you know, in, in the process. And I had the conversation with my parents and my parents both looked at me and was like, why would you go see a therapist? You need to just go to church more. I'm like, mom, dad, I literally am also a therapist. <laughs> why would you say that? Like, yeah. Yeah. If it's okay for me to be a therapist, why is it not suddenly okay for me to see a therapist? I did not understand that at all. I was very confused. I was wait what yeah. yeah and i think we would be surprised by how many therapists actually have therapists oh yeah yes. like it is mm-hmm. not uncommon at all yeah 
Mm-hmm. I, we went, I won't say we, will we, but, you know, we went through a really busy time. We planned a wedding. I took a big state licensing exam and, you know, with, my husband started working a new job. And so um, for a brief, for a minute, like it was, it was so much stress that for me, it, I started to feel a little, uh, anxious. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't mm-hmm. sleeping well. I wasn't eating well. The, I was up all night. The wheels were turning. And so it, um, you know, I, my job, we do have like a, a hotline. We have a hotline to, to call. And like I called the hotline. I was like, okay, what can I do? Cause I'm anxious, not sleeping, not eating, not, you know, everything feels like it's weighted on me. Um, so I don't think twice now as an adult about getting help when I know that I need some help. And it's, and of course you can always talk to your spouse, but you have to be careful because you don't want to burn out somebody who doesn't have the tools to really help you. I can tell my husband I'm overwhelmed, but I, I don't want to treat him like he is the supposed to be the fixer of that kind of stuff. Right. Because there's only so much he can do besides giving continued support, uh, a hug, and listening. But sometimes it uh, people need more, more than that. Than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It takes more than that. And so talking to the hotline, and she was like, "Well, hey, uh, when you have, you know, take a day and and rest. Uh, try using a weighted blanket, which is you know something that I oh, really yeah. uh, am." looking forward to um she try an oil diffuser different oils can have different effects on the mind and the body mm-hmm. make sure you do this make sure you eat you have to eat you have to and so it like i said i don't now i don't think twice about getting help i mean and, and let me say this to all of the working adults and even people we pay all this money for health care use it mm-hmm Use it. You are paying thousands and thousands of dollars every year to be able to get the help you need when you need it, both physically and mentally. Use it. Uh, if I could piggyback on something that uh, that Rod and Karen mentioned, uh, not the well last year, I believe it was, and this is coming. From, this is a therapist saying this to you guys as somebody who was awful at this. Use your PTO. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't like. I feel. I personally feel guilty taking days off, which is bad because as a therapist, especially working with children, I have to be on top of my game to help my kids as much as possible. But I also feel a sense of guilt when I do take time off because you know who's going to see my clients. Da 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 da. Right. If you accrue PTO, you accrue personal time. Take it off for your mental health because you are going to burn out at some point. So mm-hmm. you have to take care of your mental health through I, work as well. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, oh man, it's so real. That's a that's a good point. I do feel guilty when I take PTO at work because we're so busy. And when you are busy and you work in a fast paced environment or even a slow pace, it, it if you work. Oftentimes you feel guilty about taking time off because then you like, okay, well now somebody else gonna have to deal with all of this. Mm-hmm. Or I'm gonna be behind when I get back. Yeah. Or I can't, I, I need to just if I could just get this done and you find yourself saying that's your go-to, I'm gonna just get it done and then I'm gonna take some. And then something else come up. Well, I'm gonna just get this done, and then I'll take some time off. And I'ma just by the time you get everything done, you are mentally and emotionally depleted. You don't mm-hmm. have anything else left to give. Um, that is a recipe for disaster for mental illness. It's just not having time to rest. Yes. Like rest is so key. Being able to get a good night's rest, being able to get eat a, a good meal, being able to have something for yourself. Um a lot of people don't do that. And it happens a lot in relationships because we talked about the phases of, of relationships and marriage. And one of the things is you get in a phase where it's like a business partnership yeah. and everything is about work, kids, maintaining a home life, work, kids, maintaining a home life. Mm-hmm. You can start to get depressed when you 
when it's constantly about, okay, now about the kids, now about the bills, now about the finances, and now we're trying to have these successful careers. Mm-hmm. And no self time. No, no self time. No, 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 oh, no, yes. t- no time together. No, it, it, it can be a lot. And, and then you were talking about, you know, when you got, when you, you went through a divorce and you have to co parent. Did you, um, how do you, what did you do with, you know, having children involved? Did you do family therapy? Do you recommend family therapy or to see where the kids are? So, uh, on a professional level, absolutely. Um, you know, depending upon how the child is coping with the divorce, if they, if you see like, you know, uh, a significant dip in, uh, academic performance and their behavior at home, at school. If you see them, if they're more anxious, more depressed, um, absolutely seek out, you know, either family therapy for one parent or both and the child or for the child individually. Um, you know, my, my company that I work for canopy, uh, canopy children's solutions here in, on, in Mississippi. Um, we do the, so where the program I work for does in-home residential therapy in the house. So mm-hmm. we also have an outpatient clinic as well that we that does family therapy and individual therapy for the children as well. So mm-hmm. absolutely, uh, you know, if you if the if you if you can noticeably see like changes in your child, significant changes in your child as kind of correlation to the divorce as it's going on. Um, definitely have a conversation with your child, seek out therapy if you feel like it's appropriate. Um, but yeah, I absolutely recommend the therapy for almost anybody, any, any and everybody, um, on, on a personal level. Um, I was very honest with, uh, my daughter about my reasons for wanting the divorce. Um, and I also checked in with her to see how she was doing with everything because it wasn't just, okay, mom and dad aren't together anymore, you know, and mom has health issues on top of mental health issues, you know, what's going to happen. It's mom, dad aren't together anymore. And I had to move and leave my school and my friends behind, you know? So I, I constantly like, especially like in the first few months after we separated, um, like on like there'd be drives when I were I would have to take her back, bring her back down to the coast before I moved back home. Um, I would just ask her like, "What are you thinking? How do you feel? Are you upset with me for this decision? You know, how do you think your mom is handling things? How are you handling things?" Um, I tried to be as open and honest with her as possible because I'm like, as a therapist, I'm a firm believer of your children have a voice as well. And it's our jobs mm-hmm. to teach them how to exercise it, not just, you know, you do as I, as I say, and then when you get older, when you get older, then they got to have to figure out how to express themselves. So um, I think I, I've done a good job, I think, as my daughter is growing up and now she's 14, um, allowing her to have some kind of voice and some kind of choice as to who she is, what she wants to be into, how she feels about things. So I definitely, it was definitely important to me to ask her how she was feeling about things with, with uh, the divorce. And I think, I think we do. I think you do more injustice trying to leave your kids in the dark than absolutely being uh, honest with them and finding ways to meet them where they are in their age and their maturity. Uh, because kids take it personal when they have to figure shit out through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> they, they take that kind of stuff very personally. Um, you know, we London is very small now, but one of the things that I, we are strong on is raising her uh, and being transparent with her. Because I just know as an adult, even seeing some of my friends and other family, you know, a lot of the stuff that they had to figure out about their parents, they had to figure it out on their own. Mm -hmm. And there's resentment there for their parents never being honest with them about big things that happen within their their household. 
Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and one statistic said that a lot of people develop mental illness issues as young teenagers. Um, so carrying around their parents' secrets and never being able to openly and honestly discuss them. Um, we, we, it's, we set our kids up for failure doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really interesting that he brought up a point that, I mean, uh, that I, it's it seemingly like, well, duh, but it was, it's like, I never really thought about it that way either. Cause it's like, I, I feel like that could be a lot, a cause of a lot of stuff too. When you're just growing up and trying to figure out everything now, as opposed to always having that voice, yeah. like always being able to express yourself. Like a lot of things could have changed about my personality myself if I was able to talk to people when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I was the only child, um, my mother and father, um, still together by the way, but they, um, not like large talkers, neither one of them, mm-hmm. uh, especially my father, not about like his feelings or anything. My mother's not a large talker or, or easy to speak with in, in, in a sense of like how you're feeling or, you know, things of that nature. Had I had that growing up, I wouldn't have had to, teach myself that right uh that that was that was like one of our our key issues early in our relationship mm. he, he wasn't a talker he was not expressive and i was like hey nobody can ever relate to you if they don't know where you are mentally or in your emotionally nobody can adjust how they deal with you or if you have a bad day or if you're in a great mood and you have good news, if you keep everything to yourself, it's mm-hmm. hard to love people who who don't know how to say, this is how I feel right now. Mm-hmm. This right. is what I'm going through. Um, and a lot of times when you do that, you pass that down to your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was fortunate to have a relationship with my mother uh, where she did not like for me to keep things from her. She wasn't forceful and you better tell me stuff, but she fostered a environment where I could come to her and say, okay, I'm thinking about having sex. And a lot of kids don't have that. And a lot Mm -hmm. of parents don't give that to their kids either. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's for something so simple, but that's a big decision as a teenager. Right. I'm thinking about having sex. Yeah. Um, like from my from my upbringing, like um, sex and I are still like ha- working on relationship repair. Um, I had had so some trauma happen to me when I was younger that I very rarely talk about with anybody in details. I think only a couple people know. Yeah. Um, but also like how I was educated about sex was. My dad giving me a very, 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 very awkward conversation about sex. And mm-hmm. my mom being very religious, uh, you're not going to have sex until you're married. So I had all of the mixed signals um, about it. Uh, also, when it came to like that whole voice thing, um, I would probably be more confident of a person if I ha- if my parents were more kind of validating of my personality of who I, you know, wanted to be and how I saw Mm -hmm. myself and especially like my career path. Like, I think like, I don't think until like maybe I got my bachelor's that my parents were like fully on board with the whole, okay, maybe it'd be a therapist thing. I think they wanted me to do like accounting or something in math because I was a really, really smart kid. (laughs) I was really, really, really smart. So I could have done almost anything. Like I could have done computer, you know, IT work or whatever, but I I had a passion for psychology. So I wanted to become a therapist. So mm-hmm. that was like an interesting conversation that my parents and I would kind of always have a back and forth about was like, I'm very different than my brothers. Like both of my brothers are cops following in my dad's footsteps and I'm a therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. like, you know, we're like three, we're like three very different people. Uh, my yeah. younger brother is a little bit more like me, but he's also an older brother. And me and my older brother are almost nothing alike. We are like night and day to each other. But uh, yeah, like if I if I had more validation, I think from my parents, I think I, my life probably would have had a completely different 
turn to it than it ended up having. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and it it just I feel like there's so many things we could do in our households, and I know we talk about romantic relationships, but kids are a product of yeah. romantic relationships, mm-hmm. and so uh, again, fostering that environment where there's transparency versus either the conversation is completely shut down or it's completely glossed over. Like you said, it's an awkward conversation about sex or mental health. And Mm -hmm. I remember at one point my mom having some, you know, mental health issues and she ended up, you know, going on Prozac for a while and was dealing with depression and stuff like that. But she was honest about it. Mm -hmm. And it made me comfortable as, you know, as a teen, when I started feeling anxious and depressed and I, I, I just don't want to do anything. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do anything. And mom was like, well, let's just go talk to somebody and see what we could do about it. And uh-huh. you need, you need that to stop that cycle and stigma in our community of just acting like, you know, I mean, pray on it. You'll mm-hmm. be okay. All right. You just cope with it. And one more thing I want to mention about as far as the conversation when it comes to children. Um, we need to have conversations with our kids about family histories of mental illness. Yes. Mental mental illness is just like just like with high blood pressure, there's a genetic component to mental illness. Yes. So we need to be open and honest about these kind of conversations. You know, yeah. uh, that's that's one thing I was very honest with my daughter about was her mother's struggles, because this may affect you. You may have some anxiety and depression and things, and it may just not just be a byproduct of, you know, trauma or mom and dad's divorce or whatever it may be. There is very strongly a link between genetics and mental illness. So that's a humongous reason why we need to have these kind of conversations. If mm-hmm. grandma or uncle or auntie or whoever cousin in the family has a mental illness, talk about that. Try to map it out. You know, same thing with stuff like substance abuse issues. Map those things out so you can have these conversations with your kids of these are things that that run through our family and we need to be concerned about. It. Yeah, because we 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 do that with. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, your grandma had high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need to be careful because you might. And so I think again, it's mm-hmm. one of the things we forget about uh, mental health. And because I know some mental health stuff runs in my family, you know, I've heard stories about you know having close relatives, you know, ended up needing to be committed and dealing with mental health issues and mm-hmm. severe postpartum and things of that nature. So, uh, and the first thing, you know, that the, that the therapist asked me was just, do you know of a family history of mental health issues? And I was like, now that you mention it, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, you know, it could be a, a combination of things. It could be, you know, this being your first, you being a first time parent and then having this family history, it could all be coming into play. And so, you feeling like this, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something right. that we need to make known. Having mental health issues, you're still an amazing person. You're still uh, worthy of being loved, worthy of being respected. And you're able to live a good life and have a healthy, you know, have healthy romantic relationships if you get the help that you need to do so. Right, right. Absolutely. I was was just thinking that just along those lines is like people feeling like, you know, that they're alone in this. You know what I mean? Not knowing that, you know, and when we're talking about kids in general, uh, not knowing that, hey, my my mom dealt with this too. Yeah. Or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So like hearing the fact that, hey, I'm not alone in this. This is not just happening to me. Mm -hmm. uh, Can be pretty comforting especially to a kid, because you don't really understand, you know, why you're feeling like this or where these feelings are kind of coming from. It's kind of hard to process a lot of this stuff, um, even as an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I like that aspect of it, of, of, of just being, being transparent able to with speak your... with your kids about mental health to let them know, hey, a lot of people go, you know, are depressed or a lot can, of people feel can, anxious. It's of, okay to say, you know what, mommy dealt with 
some stuff where she was feeling how you might be feeling or right. daddy dealt yeah. with some stuff where he felt how you felt. And this is how I got through it. And we can take the same steps for you to get through it. Like the, I feel like the older I get, the more I realize how key transparency is in Just alleviating a lot of the trauma that oh, yeah. I have experienced and probably a lot of people uh, have experienced. And I also am absolutely glad that we got you on the show because we have a therapist who says, hey, I go to therapy. What are you talking about? Right. Oh, I'm a therapist. Yes. I go to therapy. Yes, I seek I- help when I need help. Like that's one that's one of my go tos for my clients who are very hesitant to engage with me, because um, I mean they're they're young kids and you know they've almost every one of the kids that I've I've worked with so far has either had some kind of abuse trauma or a parent that was either mentally ill or had substance abuse issues. So mm-hmm. it's having the conversation with them is like, okay, you're not alone in this, you know. Some of us, all of us go through some type of trauma in our lifetime. You know, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you've seen a lot more trauma than I've seen my entire life, you know, but it's, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen a therapist before. I've, you know, it was very, uh, it was very reaffirming. It was very affirming to, to go to the therapist, you know, because it let me know that I was on the right track as far as my recovery mm-hmm. and, you know, and healing from my divorce. So yeah, it's, it's always important. Like, you know, there is a a good bit of transparency that is healthy and needed, especially when it comes to helping people get through it. Like, like you said, with uh, transparency is good in relationships too. When we're talking about, you know, discussing our mental health struggles, you know? Yeah. Because I, I, the way I- And I feel like in a romantic relationship, you stand to lose a lot by not being transparent with your partner or your spouse, because when you are not in a good place mentally, you you don't want to engage in intimacy. You don't want to do the things that you used to do with your partner that y'all both enjoy. There's no Mm -hmm. affection. There's no because you're not yourself, but Mm -hmm. not talking to your partner. They just feel like you've pulled away from them. Right. Or maybe you're cheating or maybe you don't want to be with them anymore. Or it, you stand to lose so, so much by not uh, by going undiagnosed and not getting help mm-hmm. with mental illnesses, mental issues, mental health that problems that you may be experiencing. Absolutely. And it's also hard to parent uh, when you are having mental health problems. It's very for the for the amount of time that I dealt with postpartum, um, I was not able to be as fully immersed in being a new parent and enjoying it because uh, depression makes you tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are exhausted. Uh, you just want to get some sleep. Um, you you miss the you miss the small moments that could turn into big moments. You you miss a lot being undiagnosed and being afraid to get, get help. It, and that, I think that's what I really want for this episode for any of our listeners to know is that getting help doesn't make you less of a person. Mm-hmm. Right. And, Without question. Yeah. And then before we go, we talked about the, the part, the party that might be having the mental health, uh, crisis or issues, but the partner that isn't, um, burnout is a real thing. I know that burnout, (laughs) burnout, burnout is the, the, the final part to this conversation because we have to be honest about what happens when you, uh, when you task somebody that's not a professional with trying to heal you or help you or constantly be there for you. Um, that sounds exhausting. Mm. If I can, so yes, okay. Uh, if there are any other therapists or mental health professionals out there that's going to listen to this podcast, if you are not in a relationship but you get into a relationship, and if it is someone who does have a mental health issue, 
I'm going to say this out of personal experience. Do not try to treat them yourself. Mm-hmm. It is a bad idea. You will get burnt out. And then it will probably cost you the relationship in time. Be, be very encouraging of them and supportive of them. But send them to send them to someone to get to get help. Do not do it yourself. That was one of the biggest mistakes I made. Was yeah. okay. I got these degrees. I think I can help. And set a really, 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 really bad dynamic in our relationship. And when I got burnt out, you know, it was okay. I can't do this anymore. I need you to go see somebody. Mm-hmm. It caused me signals because then it was, well, I don't want to talk to you anymore about this because I know you're tired of hearing about it. So then it was the kind of the kind of constant back and forth of, OK, it's not that I'm tired of hearing of it. It's just I can't treat you. You know, mm-hmm. it's you're not receptive to it. It feels condescending coming from me because I'm your husband, you know. But then yeah. when you'd go to the therapist and the therapist would literally reiterate the things that I would have said to you, it then became frustrating on my part because like, well, why didn't you listen? It sets up such a really bad dynamic. So mm-hmm. that's what we talk about setting up boundaries, you know, yeah, uh, things that you're going to tolerate, things that you're, you know, going to be able to assist with, you know, making it known that, okay, I'm here to help. You know, I'm here to help. I'm empathetic, you know, but ultimately I still need you to be responsible for your mental well-being, you know, as I have to be responsible for mine because burnout does happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really bad feeling when it happens. When you're in a relationship with somebody, it's a really bad feeling. And I and I think we have to. Not look as look at mental health issues as an opportunity to allow our partners to revert to infancy. You Mm. have a mental health problem, but you're not a baby. You're an adult. Yes. If you want help, you can get help. I will support you. Whatever treatment you and your mental health professional lay out for you to get better. I will adhere to that, but I'm not going to baby you. You are not a baby. I'm not going to do everything for you because you don't want to get up. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to take a shower. You don't want to eat. I'm not going to force feed you food and things of that nature. You are going to have to get the help that you want and know that you need, or I am going to have to take a step back. Mm. Right. You don't want to reinforce them not taking care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Think that's absolutely. the biggest part. Yeah. Um, I, and Again, if anybody is listening to this, if you deal with mental health issues, you are capable of getting better. You are not a child. This is not your last train in life to be stuck wherever you're stuck mentally. Mm -hmm. But you have to know that it is not your partner's job nor responsibility to fix you. They are not there to fix you. You have to want to get better for yourself because ultimately you're not broken. A mental health issue does not mean you're broken. So you don't need to be fixed. You just need to get the proper care that you deserve to get and that you need. And to the partners, uh, take, take care of yourself. You sometimes, you know, you get in the, in the mode of trying to fix somebody else and you're falling apart. Mm -hmm. I can speak to that from all of the experience. I, I like, rapidly fell apart over the years um, because I was yeah. battling with, you know, a spouse that was physically ill and mentally mm-hmm. ill. All, all the while I'm going through college and in graduate school and raising a child all at the same time. Uh, <laughs> I, I rapidly fell apart. Uh, I think, I think year by year, I think I fell apart. And, you know, the thing is, uh, uh, I think I read an article where it says uh, with uh, worrying about caretaker forgive. Like there's a thing we call it working in the mental health field. We call it comp- uh, compassion, uh, compassion of uh, fatigue. You know, yeah. o- over time when you aren't 
taking care of your mental health. Um, like it was very difficult for me to take care of my mental health. Like other than okay, I hop on the Xbox and I'll play Destiny with uh with Wound God and uh Aaron Rand Freeman and the homies, but I wouldn't really go places, I wouldn't really leave the house, you know, I wouldn't exercise because I never felt like I had time, you know. Mm-hmm. Like eventually, you know, video games and my Xbox were my escape, you know. But I didn't do anything else to like take time for myself. You know, because it was she's not feeling well physically or emotionally, so I gotta take care of the kid and do all of this stuff. Um, you you absolutely have to continuously work on yourself. And had I really sat down and thought about it, I should have gone to therapy myself while I was still married. Mm-hmm. I should have gone long before we got to the point where I'm completely done with this. Um, it might have helped out. It might have given me a fresh perspective. You know, um, it might have allowed me the opportunity to vent outside of family and friends because I knew they were getting tired of hearing it, you know, because mm-hmm. it was kind of the same old, same old. It was like, okay, how much longer are you going to stay in this, you know? Um, but had I gone to therapy myself, I think it would have given me a little bit more perspective and it would have probably helped me heal with some of the issues I had earlier on in the, in the relationship um, that could have helped things out as well. Um, so, like, if you're, if you as a caretaker are struggling, you know, with your own mental or physical health while you're taking care of somebody who has a mental health issue, seek therapy yourself. You know, even if there's so much of uh, going in as far as affirm, po- you know, positive affirmation to kind of keep you going, mm-hmm. you know, somebody to talk to to kind of check in about wh- how you're feeling about things, you know, to give you, you know, coping skills that you and your partner can do together or that you can do for yourself or different type of, you know, strategies or how to approach things to be more, you know, a pa- uh, uh, compassionate, empathetic, more effective as a spouse to help with your uh, with your partner. Yeah, so, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. I I guess people when you think about taking care of someone else, you you don't think about that aspect of you being you having to need to cope with just everything um, because you know you're not the focus. Right. Yeah. So that that I think that's really good advice um, to to definitely seek out uh, therapy yourself when you are having um, to take care of someone with a mental issue. Because uh, one of the things I know when we were kind of doing research on it, they said that you know typically someone with a mental health issue when they're in a relationship, they tend to it, it tends to spread to the relationship itself, yeah. the spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. will then start to have some, you know, issues with their mental health. Um, so that, that, that is a, um, uh, just a very good point. Yeah. Uh, the other person is probably experiencing some, uh, some type of probably trauma, um, mm-hmm. depending upon type of behaviors that are exhibited in the relationship. It could be re-triggering to trauma that they've experienced in the past. You know, in child in their childhood, with maybe a caretaker or like a situation where, you know, you were bullied in school or whatever. I mean, and you know, depending upon age race. So, you know, we you talked about earlier where uh, most most uh, mental health uh, diagnoses happen around the teenage years. That's, mm-hmm. uh, for most diagnoses. That's where that biological component comes in for like bipolar, schizophrenia, more mm. cognitive disorders that that around that age range is when that kind of uh, biological neurological component comes in where you may have some kind of stressor that happens and it sets off the uh, the under the the uh, the mental health issue that's kind of been dormant under the surface. You might have noticed a few things, but. That's a lot of times where you'll, you'll see people have their first psychotic breaks, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know more, more mood swings, more volatile behavior in that age range. 
So that's definitely a big reason why you'll see that. But it's very true when you talk about it does seem like it spreads to the relationship because I think, like I said before, we have a hard time distinguishing between what's the diagnosis, what is actual symptoms, and what is just behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially as adults, it's a lot more difficult to distinguish between the two. Yeah. 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 It's I read much- an article and it mentioned, like, okay, well, my partner is violent. Is this a sign of a mental mental health issue? And it's no, no, that's you have if you feel like there's something going on, get professional help because everybody that is violent in their behavior is not dealing with a mental right. illness. Right. That is that could just be a behavior and and you need to run for the hills. Right. Because I this mean, person is abusive. Yeah. It could it's, could it be a personality disorder? Possibly, but you need to have that diagnosed. But it could just be they're abusive and a volatile person. So yeah. Um, you might want to head for the hills. Um, yeah, we we have such a difficult time um, distinguishing between the two. But they're definitely like I, I like I tell my kids uh, in therapy. Yes, you may have a mental health issue, but that does not justify your behavior when you are being, you know, abusive to your parents or your siblings mm-hmm. or kids at school. It's not an excuse. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Of course not. Yeah, and so, in like in, in in closing this conversation, you have to stop being afraid to seek professional help first and foremost. Because a, a professional might say, "I don't believe you have a mental illness, but I think you have some trauma that you should go to therapy to work through." Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't. You don't dis- exhibit all the signs of being t- of bipolar disorder, or clinical depression, or schizophrenia, or any of the anxiety, PTSD. But you could just very well need an unbiased party to talk to, and maybe get some tools for getting beyond this trauma that you've been holding on to. Yeah, and I think that's Absolutely. one of the biggest things we kind of want to, uh, or just want our listeners to take away from, is that just because you go to therapy, it doesn't absolutely mean that there's something wrong with you. Right. Yeah. Therapy yeah. therapy can absolutely be one of the most affirming, uh, positive, much needed situations that you may ever experience in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. your, therap- your therapist literally can come in and help you fully understand what you've gone through help you put it in perspective, help you look at it more healthy and positively and even and help you begin a healing process depending upon what it is you're going through. Whether, right. it's, yeah. whether it's trauma, whether it's abuse, whether it's mental illness, personality disorders, whatever it may be, it can absolutely be one of the most beneficial situations that you can ever experience. So I encourage all people, not just because I'm in the field, I encourage almost anybody who has ever felt been through anything and that's like almost everybody seek out mental health especially in our community mm-hmm. seek out yes. mental health we go through trauma and pain almost on a daily basis yeah we're we're here to help guys and we want to help and, as much as possible and that's why it's so sad that that therapy has that stigma within the black community um because there are a lot of things that you know is just like forbidden to like talk about or like, you know what I mean? There's so much stuff that, that goes on um, just in our lives in general, just as minorities, just living in America every day mm-hmm. um, that you may just need help processing. Right. So. Uh, yeah. And like I said, as somebody who dealt with, you know, postpartum, I know that, and a lot of people don't recognize that as a form of actual depression. I've had people say, "Ah, oh, you just was depressed from having a baby. You just needed some sleep." But uh, th- that hormone change from from being pregnant for almost a year to not being pregnant anymore um, it it takes a toll. It take it took a toll on me. And mm-hmm. so, like I said, if if it's postpartum or if you feel it's anything else, if you just need to talk. Mm-hmm. 
talk, talk to somebody. Um, the best part of therapy for me is there's no judgment. Their job Absolutely. is to <laughs> their job is to help you get off your chest and your mind and your heart what you need to and give you some tools for coping, set up another appointment. There's no judgment. These these medical professionals, these mental health professionals, they listen to you and then they give you the tools you need. They help you schedule another appointment and that's it. They're not telling your business. They're not looking at you crazy. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't do any of the things that happen oftentimes when you confide in people who are not uh, professionals, professionals yeah. who have not been educated in that field. Um, so you you deserve to have that experience if you're dealing with some stuff. And you you need to, you want to start to feel better. You tired of holding on to whatever you hold on to. Don't be afraid to um, get some help. Don't be afraid to reach out to people like Byron, who he's in Mississippi, but you may be in Georgia, but he may be able to push you in the right direction for places in Georgia. Like mental health professionals, really are some of the greatest people you will meet because they genuinely care about having people be healthy mm-hmm. and able to function on a in in a healthy manner. So Byron, do you have any you have any shout outs, any um any places, any organizations you work with uh that you want to tell people about? Yes. Um so if you're seeking out mental health, um depending upon the situation you may be in, um if you you know, you work full time, you have health benefits, your job probably has an employee assistance plan. That's one way to seek out therapy. That's what I did. Um, I used the employee assistance plan for my previous employer to see, have a therapy session. They'll usually give you like four to six sessions for free, whether it's individual or family therapy. Um, if you're a college student, your university probably has student services that has a therapy component. Um, seek that out. If you're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with you. Um, the organization I work for, uh, Canopy Children's Solutions here in Mississippi, we are a nonprofit. Um, we treat uh, individuals who are on Medicaid. Um, that's a resource here if you're, if you're needing, you know, uh, your child is in need of therapy or you're in need of family therapy services um, that we offer here in Mississippi. Um, there are also regional uh, mental health uh, offices like here in Mississippi, like Pine Belt uh, Mental Health Resources. Um, some hospitals also do see, uh, have uh, mental health resources as well. There are plenty of options out there depending upon your socioeconomic uh, factors. And of course, that is going to be a difficult thing for some people, but it's the, so, there are plenty of resources out there, much more than you may actually realize. So Google is your friend always. Seek help. It it can literally be one of the best things you ever do for yourself. Great. Man, this was a this is a this was an amazing opportunity to get a mental health professional as well as somebody who's dealt with uh having a partner with some mental health issues. Um so like I said, oh, where can where can we find you on Twitter? I know you say you don't tweet a lot, but I do notice that if you get a, you respond pretty quickly when you get a notification. So where can, <laughs> which is nice. Cause I, <laughs> so where, where can people find you on Twitter if you want to be found? Yeah, I, I am at a uh, captain, which is C A P T underscore ingenuity uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, shout out to uh, Space Wakanda and uh, the Wound God, uh, as I am a proud member of that uh, uh, merry band of misfits. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you are if you are of the gaming variety, I am uh, at Captain Ingenuity on Xbox. Um, if you're listening to this, you might already be a part of Space Wakanda, so we are out here. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's about it. Cool. Yeah. Well, that is it for us. We will see you guys back in 
two weeks. Uh, like I said, if you have any show ideas, if you want to be a guest, if you have any feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at not so newlywedpc. Mm-hmm. Also, check out the Patreon, the CSPN Patreon, where there's exclusive content oh. for a lot of the shows. Some of your favorites: Ratchet Ramblings, Bad and Boozy. Uh, oh, if I if I can shout out to uh, so so indeed, those are my those are the booze. Uh, I'm very happy and proud of them. Uh, on yeah, podcast. absolutely. Very happy to yeah, we love we love black women that uh, enjoy wine and can give us feedback because a lot of black people are not into wine. Uh, it's kind of been one of those things that we just glossed over. But they they do great work over at uh, Bad and Boozy. And shout out to Rod and Karen from the Black Guy Who Tips. Uh, Rod has often been um, gracious enough to come on Ratchet Ramblings, which is uh, my baby podcast. And um, they are some great people. And uh, oh, yeah, and shout out to Gay Side Stories and Crown and Collars mm-hmm. and Mama Meets World Pod. And that is it. We will see you guys back in two weeks. Peace.